Hey everyone, and welcome to the Soul Anchor Podcast, where together we'll discover how to stay anchored in a storm and how to thrive. I've invited some friends that I deeply admire and whose authentic stories will encourage you to embrace hope when the waves crash. These are friends who have navigated some fairly deep waters of unthinkable circumstances, but they've arrived back on shore resilient and strong. We will also have a segment, what I call Anchor Coaching, We'll all answer your questions about what to do and how to stand strong in a storm and give some practical helps on how to navigate that. And we'll also be talking about just some fun things like staying sane, how to keep our sense of humor, how to stay distracted, so to speak, from the heaviness of the storm. And so hopefully that will be an encouragement to you as well. So I am your host, Cynthia Cavanaugh, and I am so glad you are here. I'm so excited today to have the privilege of interviewing Carol and Jean Kent, or Jean and Carol Kent. <laughs> Who comes first on the introduction? <laughs> Isn't that always? And we're going to be talking about um, the staying power of marriage based on their new book that is releasing, or has been released actually, is released. What date was it released? March 31. March 31. That's right. So I'm actually, I'm just going to be totally honest because you know if you listen to me, you read my books, you listen to me as a speaker, um, I am authentic and I tell it like it is and I'm just a tad bit nervous to interview these two because <laughs> I have such deep respect and admiration and Carol has been an incredible mentor uh, from afar to me for years. I can still remember as a young speaker being thrust out there, someone said, Cynthia, I think that you should be a speaker. And I said, no, I'm a worship leader. Give me a microphone and I will sing, but I do not want to speak. And so being obedient to the Lord, God used Carol's book, um, one of her conferences in those early years to help equip me to stick my toe in the water and yes, and be obedient. Say, yes, God could use me as a speaker and a teacher. And now I just love it. I, I love doing it. So I feel like this is almost a full circle of the opportunity to be able to have the privilege to interview both of them and her wonderful husband too. It's awesome. So let me introduce them officially with their bio. Uh, Carol and Jean Kent are the founders of Speak Up Ministries, which includes Speak Up Conferences, Equipping the Next Generation of Speakers and Writers, Speak Up for Hope, a nonprofit organization that benefits inmates and their families, and Speak Up Speaker Services, a Christian Speakers Bureau. That, those are tongue twisters. <laughs> <laughs> Carol has authored more than 25 books, and Jean serves as Chief Operating Officer of their ministries. Yes, so excited to have you today. So we're going to be talking about, as I've mentioned earlier, the staying power, how to build a stronger marriage when life sends its worst. This is a great topic. And I love that you mentioned um, in when I sent out the questionnaire that there's a lot of books out there that talk about challenges that marriage marriages encounter about wrong choices that spouses make and how to recover and restore from that. But you have a little 
different twist on this staying power idea of marriage. So why don't you tell us a little bit about it? And you co-wrote this with Dave and Cindy Lambert. So what happened in your lives that triggered writing a book called Staying Power? Well, Cynthia, um, we met Dave and Cindy Lambert oh, a number of years ago, and she was uh, very helpful to Carol in writing a couple of books. But as we got to know them as a couple, they knew our story, and I, don't, I should probably just synopsize our story, which we just have one child. He graduated from the Naval Academy, and upon graduation went to the uh, nuclear engineering school with the Navy, and while he was there in Orlando, met a young lady who had, who had been previously married with two little girls, mm -hmm. and they ended up getting married. We became instant grandparents of all things. Wow. <laughs> and, uh, you know, to a three-year-old and a six-year-old. And in that first year of marriage, there were some issues about the biological father who had been very abusive, allegedly. And uh, he was being good at visitation. And so he applied for unsupervised visitation. And when it looked like the judge was going to give that to him, our son just obsessed about the man and the possible actions. And our son just tracked him down to a restaurant parking lot on a Sunday afternoon here in Florida and ended up shooting him and putting three bullet, four bullets in him. He was arrested within a few blocks and spent the next two and a half years in the county jail in Orlando. And we had a trial for first degree murder and our son was found guilty at the end of that trial, finally at the end of the two and a half years. And the sentence for first degree murder in the state of Florida is either the death penalty or life in prison without parole. Our son was given life in prison without parole. And that, we just passed the 20 year mark with that terrible story, something we certainly never uh, thought would ever happen. It was the farthest thing from our minds, of course. When we met Dave and Cindy Lambert, they knew our story. And we knew some, we, in talking with them, we learned uh, much of what they were doing in life and uh, raising a grandchild and uh, with an adopted son that Cindy had and, and the struggles that he had and everything. And so we just had a lot of things in common. And one of the things we, we were coming up with is, you know, there's lots of books about uh, dealing with uh, problems within the marriage yes. that come from one spouse or the other not being uh, quite as godlike as as those marriage vows sure. would want us to be. Uh, but what happens to a marriage when we're struck from the outside, you know, from without our marriage? And, and you know, we've got a good thing going on with a husband and wife, and uh, but when something happens from the outside, like a child who's hurt or who has a disability yes. or a financial problem or COVID that's going on right now right. and this virus problem that's going on and, and striking so many families. How do you cope as a husband and wife, uh, whether you have kids at home or not at home, how do you cope with this thing that's struck your marriage from the outside? And that's, go ahead, Carol. I was just going to say, I think so many of us have read books about the wrong choices a couple make to go into an affair. It might be a gambling addiction or uh, a choice to go in a, a wrong way away from your spouse. But these are about the reasonably happy couples 
who have that outside force come in. And often it might just be with the stress of having a child with autism on an ongoing yes. basis or a financial reversal that just turns your world upside down. And a lot of people are facing that kind of thing right now in the middle of uh, our economy yes. as a result of a national or global pandemic. So we really believed as couples that we had some things to say that would help people make right choices that could build their marriages stronger rather than letting them get weaker when that outside crisis comes. It's so, this is so important. And I think that it's a, it's a book that's needed, you know, the wisdom, because we don't always have control of what, like you said, we go along reasonably happy and then some significant event happens and even for you and I I've heard your story many times and and the the story of of Jason your son and yeah. such a hard just the impact of that coming from the outside on your marriage as well so as we think about this topic then what would you recommend what are some of the pre decisions a couple can make that will strengthen their marriage because obviously it's what you build it's kind of like building the ballast of a boat, right? In a storm. You're, you're, I think Gordon McDonald, you know, that was his t title about building below the waterline um, oh, yes. of a boat years ago. And, uh, and that's always stuck with me. So it's what we do during those reasonably happy times that really impact what will happen when we do face unexpected squalls and catastrophic storms. Mm -hmm. Well, I think one of those pre-decisions is I will not expect my spouse to read my mind. And if we can determine that, <laughs> really? <laughs> we can talk more uh, or talk less and listen more because so many times I just expect Jean to know exactly what I'm thinking and why I'm feeling this way. And uh, if and like all good husbands, <laughs> I'm very good at reading her mind, yes. Well, yes, you've been married a long time. A long time. Good, right? And uh, if you can talk about your predecisions ahead of time, then some of those hard choices are already made. One of those for, for us is, I will serve my spouse sacrificially. Mm. And uh, Cynthia, you've met Gene. You know he's fun-loving and he's an uplifting personality to be around, which I appreciate a lot. Yes. <laughs> one of the things that he did as Jason was arrested and my heart was just broken. I, I felt like I could hardly pick myself off the floor on some days. Of course. And Gene would make the coffee in the morning and he knows coffee is one of my love languages for sure. <laughs> and he would bring it to me in bed and without words, he would put a hand on my arm as if to mm. say, honey, we're going to get through this. Somehow we're going to get mm. through this. And then when on really wonderful days, he would actually rub my feet while I had my coffee. And <laughs> wow. I had a few more brownie <laughs> points there. But those, those decisions to serve each other and to know when the other one uh, is weak, when you feel strong, right. uh, you know, you just have to, to give each other some timeouts, make that decision that you will not expect your spouse to serve at 100% every hour of every day, because sometimes you just feel like you're on the last thread of your last right. nerve when you're dealing with one of these crises. And that's the time, if you feel stronger to say, 
honey, go out for lunch with friends. You know, just take a, take a walk. I have things under control right now. Take a little break. And that means so much to be able to know that uh, you've made those decisions that are going to ease the load for the other spouse in the middle of that journey. Yeah. You know, uh, I, we have an unfair advantage in our marriage. In this aspect, when we were dating, we were in a Christian college that uh, you couldn't even hold hands. At the oh, first I think I know which college that is. <laughs> and, and we certainly didn't like it at the time. But if we had a date on campus, we could go to what they call the DP, which was the dating parlor. And it just had a, it looked, it looked like a furniture store and they had lots of couches and chairs up there. You could go up there on a date and you would check in with the room monitor who would be up there. And uh, you could sit together on a couch or in chairs facing each other or side by side, but you could not touch each other. I remember one time I put my arm up around Carol, one of the first times we were in the dating parlor and the monitor came by and tapped me on the shoulder and gave me that stern look. <laughs> and uh, shook her head, no, do not do that. But, you know, the advantage of doing that instead of uh, what we would rather have done of um, being a little more romantic, we ended up communicating. And so many marriages don't have enough communication yes. take place early on in the marriage right. so that you know each other better. And I knew, I, you know, I gradually finally opened my ears enough so that I could hear what uh, was important to my wife and she could hear what was important to me. Yes. And we started to uh, make some comparisons in life, what we wanted, what were some goals that we had for our family. And uh, you know, did those serious kind of thinking and talking that is really hard to do, but it's so valuable. We ended up finding that that helped us when, you know, when the difficult time came in our marriage, okay. which is gonna hit everybody's marriage. So what you're saying, what I hear you saying is that those pre-decisions, making sure that you're listening to each other, that you're communicating and that you know each other's love language. Because honestly, when we are in a storm, our stress factor goes up and then we, we fall back on stress behaviors that we normally might have more grace for each other or other people but then those defaults come, those default behaviors come out. So then how do you address that? Like, how do you have that staying power when you know you're in a, a stressful outside, this is hitting your boat, so to yeah. speak. <laughs> it's banging against your boat. You don't know, you know, you, you're seeing big wave after big wave after big wave come. And how do you not turn on each other with your stress factors? Well, in the beginning, I think that Jean and I both had very short fuses, Cynthia, because uh, we got along pretty well, but we were in a situation we'd never been in before. Uh, one year earlier, Jean had left his cushy job in the insurance industry with a nice office downtown and went into full-time ministry with me because he knew I needed help. And he knew that uh, somebody needed to organize the transportation and the shipping and ordering of books and all that goes with a speaking and a writing ministry. And uh, he moved into a desk in our basement, literally. And that, that was telling me a whole lot about how sure. much he loved me and valued the ministry and was able to let go of his uh, career that had really given him a lot of accolades. And so uh, when this hit, 
and I was feeling so emotional. I remember one time being in our closet. Now I keep a clean house, but my closet is a little <laughs> messy and I have too many clothes crowded into too small. I'm so glad to hear that, Carol. I'm just so happy. I can't tell you how much that makes me smile. <laughs> and and let, me, let me also add, she's got a few pairs of shoes. Oh, you know, Carol, you are in good company. My granddaughter said to me about a month ago, I said, why don't you count my shoes in here? Well, I have just one more thing to do. She goes, Grandma, I can't count them. There's too many. <laughs> You're a good well, I, I didn't have an idea that our class a whole lot of like, Cynthia. Yes. But, but anyway. On, on this particular day, uh, Jean said, Carol, I don't understand why you can't get rid of clothing that you haven't worn in a year. You know you're never going to wear it again, and yet it's all crowded in here, and it looks messy, and he's a neat Nick. He grew up in a home that had a lot of um, physical chaos in it in terms of always being remodeled, and so he likes neatness. That's one of his high values. <laughs> it's a hobby. <laughs> And so I, I remember just being at that moment where I burst into tears and I just said, I don't understand why you can't give me one small space in this house that's messy when I keep the rest of our house so clean. That is so mean. And I wound up falling into his arms and we both had tears. Mm. And he looked at me and he said, this isn't really the issue, is it? We're, we're upset about Jason and all that's happening and not knowing what the rest of his life will look like and realizing this has also altered the rest of our lives and we don't yes. know what we're going to do about ministry. And uh, we wound up hugging each other and praying together. But I think it was one of those first times when we realized we're in this together. And if we don't choose to make it together, by choosing instant forgiveness. And that's one of the big chapters in this book on okay. choosing to be unoffendable. You know, to come to that place of knowing, I love you, I'm sticking with you to the end. Even if you say a few things that might be in a tone of voice that hurt my feelings or irritate sure. me a little bit, I know your heart toward me is basically good and that you love me dearly and we are committed to being in this marriage together for as long as it takes. And that really became a real anchor for us as we went forward in the middle of a situation, you know, just think about it, two and a half years going through yes. seven postponements of Jason's uh, trial before we finally had the resolution and then having a resolution of life without parole, knowing we would be visiting our son for the rest of our natural lives mm. behind the razor wire of a maximum security prison apart from a miracle. Yes. So, I mean, that is just so testing on your relationship, but I like what you said and learning to, you know, you talk about the chapter and learning to not be unoffendable, right? Like don't be so easily offended. And it's so easy when you're in a crisis, whether it be something like you've walked through, which is very extreme and very, very difficult. And I know there's many marriages, the stats when you lose a child Yes. or when you experience something and in many ways it's a huge loss for you that couples do not stay together and so recognizing that is so key so talk a little bit about the forgiveness piece don't be you know let's not be offendable right it's easily right. easily offended 
Well, I love that quote that says, forgiveness frees us from the burden of living in a prison of our own making. Because when we choose not to forgive, we're allowing our spouse uh, to uh, have that control of, of, we feel bitter, we feel um, misunderstood, we feel hurt. And sometimes if people are like me, I go into long periods mm -hmm. of withdrawal where I practice the silent treatment. And I have at times given Jean the mm -hmm. silent treatment so long, I can't remember why we're not speaking. It's just the point that matters. <laughs> and that's wrong. And I had to get to that point of realizing I don't want to be that kind of a person where I don't even know why I'm not talking to you, but, but I, I just feel this unforgiveness towards you. And uh, one of the things that our co-authors have said is that um, often one spouse may be more trusting than the other. And uh, that can be difficult. And so forgiveness isn't easy. It's a process and it is an act of the will. It's a decision. And uh, to just come to that place of choosing, I'll forgive you today and if I need to tomorrow and if it goes on the next day. There's a, a little definition of forgiveness that we came across while working on this that just says, and it's sort of a strange wording, but it says, surrendering my right to hurt you for hurting me. Yes, that's good. And, you know, and men are terrible. You know, one of our problems, I was just thinking of this while Carol was speaking, is we react too fast. Okay. And, uh, you know, and <laughs> so men need to slow down in their reactions and think about the next words that are going to come out of their mouth. Because I've been guilty of that, as uh, Carol just gave you the illustration of. Well, I think too, Cynthia, uh, we need to learn how to quickly apologize when we are in the wrong. And that is sometimes an ego thing, you know, to say, I'm yes. sorry, I forgive you, and uh, I ask for your forgiveness for misunderstanding. And I'm really kind of, uh, I, I know in myself, if he says things in a certain tone of voice, I can take that as offensive. Sure. We're not it offensively at all. It was just maybe uh, he was in an animated uh, state of mind and he said something in a harsh way that he didn't mean harshly at all. And I have to forgive him quickly and we need to keep short accounts, which really helps a lot. But if we can agree upon the fact that we want resolution, we don't want to go on with the silent treatment or with being angry with each other or have outbursts with each other, and we need the support of each other or our marriage won't survive. And when you have a son who is in prison for life, and in our case, we drive an hour and a half to the prison, we often stand in mm. line once we get there for two hours in wow. blazing heat oh rain just to get up to the front of the line so we can be processed through security for another 15 minutes before he's called to be with us. And it might take 15 minutes to a half hour for him to be there. That You need a lot of togetherness to make sure. that work. And I know a lot of people aren't in our exact situation, but they are in difficult circumstances. And I have to chuckle, Cynthia, because as a Christian public speaker and author, you know, I'm often taken to the front of the, the line when food is being served. Right. You know, That's I'm true. standing in line for two hours. And uh, that it's, it's like I live in two totally different worlds. And I need a husband who really uh, understands what I'm going through and that 
even though Jason's been behind bars now for 20 years and we're still standing in that visitation yes. line, we are doing this as a couple, couple. and we are not alone. And, uh, you know, one of the things we say in this book uh, that I think is so important is that we need to serve while suffering. And if couples who are in the middle of difficult times right now will choose to look around and find one thing they can do to tangibly help somebody who's in need and do it together. Do, yes, do it together. Spirit. It's amazing what happens. Yeah, no, that's really good really good advice. Um, in this pandemic that we are still experiencing and we'll probably be in this for a little while, at least even as things ease up, we, you know, are, we're going to be in a new normal for a while. I know that, you know, marriages that may have already been struggling or ones that are relatively happy and been thrust into this do you know, togetherness much more than maybe they would like you know, uh, people that are able to work at home that, you know, and there's, you know, you have to homeschool your kids and you have all of this. What would you say during this time? You've said so many great things, but what, how would you sum this up for two? How can we encourage couples that they're going to, they're going to make it, you know, during this time when they're hit on every side and facing things they've never faced before? I think we need to, uh, instantly realize that we need to listen more than we talk because I, i'm a firstborn of six preachers kid cynthia and i love to talk i love to get my <laughs> i'm a firstborn too i love to talk <laughs> and sometimes i forget that one of the ways i can honor my spouse is to decide to request honor and value the advice mm. that Gene gives. And I do that by respecting his opinion and listening to his ideas. And uh, often he comes up with some remarkable ideas. <laughs> and one of the first things he does is to see what he can do tangibly to help people. And I think, you know, when I think of people at home and we were talking about serving in the middle of whatever you're going through, you know, I noticed that Jean's pile of black t-shirts at home was getting very low. And I said, what's happening to your t-shirts? He said, you'll find out soon enough. And uh, the next weekend we were at the prison in that line waiting to go through security. And I saw a woman turned away and she was sobbing and I instantly knew what was wrong. She had on a sleeveless shirt and a new rule had come through saying women could not wear sleeveless blouses. Okay. And all of a sudden I realized Gene had disappeared from where he was standing next to me in the line. And I saw him out in the parking lot and our trunk was up and he emerged carrying a black t-shirt right over to this woman. Wow. And he said, so here man, put this on and go to the front of the line. I, it's my gift to you today. I hope you have a wonderful visit with your family. Otherwise she would have had to drive 20 miles to the nearest mm -hmm. store buy a t-shirt and come back, wait in that line after she had already taken the time to drive there. It would have been miserable. Well, Jean came back to where I was standing in the line and I said, so that's what's been happening to your t-shirts. <laughs> he looked down, he said, it's my ministry. Oh, and I love I, that. And uh, a month later, I was in Wisconsin and I shared that story at a women's conference. And uh, the following month, there was a box on my front porch and I opened it up and it was just filled with black t-shirts. And there was a note in the yes. top that said, Dear Carol, I recently heard at 
you speak at this retreat and I heard the story about your husband helping women get into the facility when they are dressed inappropriately. She said, I work for a company that, that makes t-shirts so I can buy them very inexpensively. Please use this box of black t-shirts for your husband's ministry through his trunk distribution <laughs> program. I hope it blesses a few lives. Oh, and so awesome. I, I have learned to verbalize what I see Gene doing that is stellar and tell him how great it is. And uh, through communicating what we appreciate about each other instead of what we disagree with about the other's opinions or actions has helped us so much as we continue to live in tough times. So I say to you couples out there who are dealing with a whole lot of closeness that say out loud what your spouse is doing right what they're yes. doing well. <laughs> That's um, so good, Carol. It goes a long way, and it helps us to uh, verbally affirm what we appreciate in that person we're married to. Yes, that's so good. Oh, I needed to hear that. That was really good. It's so easy to point out what's wrong, and I know I find myself doing that more than I more than I should because we've been together for you know. He's usually to the office several days a week, out several nights. And now, you know, he's only gone one day a week for a few hours. <laughs> and so, yeah, no, that is great. That's great advice. This sounds like an awesome book and I can't wait to, to read it myself. But I also like to ask my guests some fun facts about yourself. And one of the things they, they sent in is some interesting uh, fun facts about them. But during this time, when you're in the storm, what do you do to keep yourself lighthearted and not take things so seriously, not just even take your marriage so seriously? Because, you know, that's part of self-care when we're in a storm. So what, what do you two like to do with that before we get to your fun fact? You know, one thing we really like to do is we walk a lot. We'll walk three to five miles a day, probably. And um, we live in an area where we can walk on the streets or on the sidewalk. And we often, Cynthia, end up praying together. Okay. And I usually keep my eyes open and I tell Carol, she, well, should, that's good. she, <laughs> should, she could close her eyes and just trust me to lead her. On the right path, right? If you believe that. <laughs> yes, yes. I have swampland in Florida, I'll tell you. <laughs> but, but the prayer part is the true part. But we'll pray together and we'll just pray those short popcorn prayers, you know, praying for my mother who's 91. And that uh, that God will keep the COVID virus from her, yes. or we'll pray. We'll also then Carol will pray for our son, and uh, keep the virus from the prisons. We'll pray for ministry that's going on this next week and the events that are happening, and we'll pray about uh, just all of the things that that are on our minds while we're out on that walk. And I'll thank the Lord for my wife, and God giving him her to me for over all these years. But we love doing that when we're out walking. I think part of it is that we're breathing in fresh air. Yes. And one of the things we can do six feet away from other people is to breathe in God's glorious creation. And 
we like to look up into the sky and say, God, this is magnificent. Thank you for creating this beauty around us. And it gets our focus off just those nitty gritty things that we get into when we feel like we're all cooped up and we, we really can hardly right. eat anymore. Uh, it's good for the spirit. It's good for the soul. And it lifts up us when we praise God. There's something about praise that lifts you out of the doldrums and brings you into that realm of recognizing who God is and that this life is not all there is. That's right. Or Amen. And it is good. It is good. I, it's so great to get outside. We do a lot of walking as well and we have a lot of wildlife around and so okay. that's always fun to, you know, see the eagle fly overhead just so close when we're sitting on the deck or taking a walk and seeing other things that's so important now you've breathed in some fresh air a fun fact by you've gone zip lining in the giant redwoods wow that's a fun fact that was his idea that was fun <laughs> of course in california we had a great time at mount herman at Mount Hermon, okay. Yes, they have a zip line, which is on their property there in Mount Hermon. Okay. And it was the scariest thing I've ever done, but it was also probably the most <laughs> exhilarating experience of my life. And it helped me physically learn how to trust my husband because okay. he, he would be hooking me up and say, you're going to be okay. You have... You have this safety wire right here. It's always there. Even if you feel like you've lost your way or you're falling, you'll be okay. So it was we, a We were supposed to, to reiterate those things to each other because we had leaders okay. who were the safety people there at Mount Hermon who were telling us what to do and then say, okay, you're each other's uh, safeguard and uh, to check all of those things that are on all of our snap buckles and all those things as you're prepared to uh, zip to the next station. And you're like, it feels like you're 500 feet off the ground, but it really wasn't that high. But it was still high. Feels and like it, was though. an exciting time, yes. Yeah, but we've done some of those exotic, th we, when we lived in Michigan, we had a little sailboat, and little meant like it was about 12 and a half feet long. And it was a little sunfish sailboat for all of those people out there who know that is a small enough sailboat that you could tip it over and then you could tip it back upright. Okay. And so I remember many times that I would intentionally tip it over with Carol oh. as she was riding on it and we would get soaking wet. And as we splutter to the surface, then we just have a great time together. Uh, mischievous, no I can tell Carol. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, yes, definitely. Yeah, well, it's been such a pleasure to interview you and hear parts of your story and hear about this new incredible book, Staying Power. And so where can we find you? Where can we find this book? Uh, you can find it in stores everywhere as soon as they open or online <laughs> right. at Amazon. Yeah. It's called okay. Staying Power. And you can go to my website, carolkent.org, and you'll see it there. And uh, also speakupconference.com. Yes. And uh, that is the part of our ministry where we equip Christians in communication skills, both speaking and writing. And it is a joy to be doing uh, that conference virtually. And uh, we're excited about what God is doing and the incredible faculty he's brought together, including Cynthia Cavanaugh. So we look forward to having you with us. Well, thank you. I'm looking forward to it. I 
went last year for the first time and it just was amazing and the heart and spirit of what you both offer there with your team and of course your sister Bonnie who does an amazing job with all the pulling it together and the rest of your team it was such a blessing to watch and see and sit and talk with you know these writers so I know it will look a little different this year but it's still going to be an amazing time. So I really encourage you to check that out. Speakupconference.com. If you have a message that's burning on your heart, a story, and that you know God wants you to get it somewhere, blogging, article, or publish a book, this is the conference you want to make sure that you sign up for. So thank you again, Carol and Jean. And what's the weather like there in Florida before we sign off? Uh, it is probably 92 or 93 degrees outside right now, sunny. And it's, it's beautiful other than it's pretty humid though too. Okay, well we have a little humidity as in a little rain sprinkling, but that's, <laughs> that's good. We want them to meet somewhere in the middle there, right? All right, we'd love yeah. that. Yeah, well thank you so much again for being my guest today and We'll look forward to checking out your resources and we will be giving away one of their books, Staying Power. So if you take a screenshot of this podcast and share it on Instagram, tag friends, we'll put you in a drawing and we will pick a winner and send that copy out to you. Thank right, you, thanks. Cynthia. That sounds absolutely great, Cynthia. And what a joy it's been to be with you. Well, thank you so much. Wasn't that great to have Jean and Carol Kent? I just love them. They have so much wisdom to offer us, and I can't wait to read their new book, Staying Power. It's time for this segment of the show to have our anchor coaching, and we've got a great question today from Wendy. And Wendy asks, who do you turn to in a storm? Not just what, but what are some key people? Who are some key people that we should turn to when we encounter a storm? And, you know, there's lots of great answers for this question. And so I'm going to share with you some things that I've learned along the way when it comes to who do we turn to in a storm. Now, if you've known me long enough and listened to me long enough, you will know that the first thing I'm going to encourage you to do is to make sure that you're anchoring yourself in the truth of God's word. That is so important when you're in a, it's even more important when you're in a storm so that we can balance what's happening in our life and making sure we're grounded with God's word and his truth. But we also need people in our lives that can validate and empathize with us. And this could be good friends that we have in our lives, but we also need in addition to good friends that can empathize with us, we also need voices of truth. People that aren't going to be afraid to step on our feelings and tell us the hard truth we need to hear. Now, we all have friends in our lives. Probably I have friends in my life who I can call up and they will validate what I've gone through. They will empathize with me. They even might even get angry and cry and whine with me, which is what I need. But I don't need that all the time. I also need people who are going to tell me the truth. And a good friend will actually do both. But sometimes our friends are a little too close to the situation. And so we need, you know, they're kind of in the boat with us. They're, they've signed up to be in the boat with us because they're good, loyal friends. But sometimes we need voices and people who are further away, who are sitting on the shoreline watching what's happening and observing. And those kinds of people would be people like 
maybe a trusted pastor that you would feel safe with or another leader in your church. Maybe you're a women's ministry person or a women's pastor that you would have, or, you know, maybe someone in your company that's a trusted leader who's maybe not as close to the situation who can speak truth into your life. And then I am not afraid to say that I think everyone at some point in their life should get some professional godly counseling. I think it's really helpful to find someone who is trained professionally, who understands that, who isn't emotionally invested, but who can give some clear direction woven, of course, with biblical truth to find someone like that that can help you on all fronts. And those are the voices that I think are very important when you're in a storm. You need people to stand by you and carry you and help you and encourage you, but you also need those voices of truth to help you. So we're going to be doing this during each show. We're going to have some questions and I would encourage you, if you have a question that you would like answered, anything to do with the storm, how to stay anchored, or any kind of a question, you can visit my Facebook page, Cynthia Cavanaugh, author, and send me a message or just make a post under one of the uh, posts, uh, comments in the post, and I would be happy to, to look at and to answer your question at the show. And so that's all for today for that. And we'll look forward to answering another question for our next Anchor Coaching Time. Thanks so much for joining me today on the Soul Anchor Podcast. Grab a friend and join our community at thesoulanchor.com. That's thesoulanchor.com to receive the show notes and resources to help you through your personal storm. If you've been encouraged today, would you please consider leaving a review, subscribing, or sharing this podcast? I'd be ever so grateful. Until next time, remember, you are not alone. God is for you and you will get through this.